All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fucknicks, what the fucksters, what's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast from inside the house, inside the garage. Man, people are going nuts, and I get it. I get it. I was going nuts, but I, you know, I go out and I run and shit, and I, uh, I try to stay sane trying there have been a couple of nights where i wake up and i'm freaking out how are you guys doing man look i'm fortunate and i know that in the sense that like i you know i'm okay for now but i know that's not everybody's story and and i and i and i want to be empathetic with that and say you know i i feel for you i've been where you are but not in this position in this situation where we're helpless powerless to change anything it's tough and you know i'm sorry that we're all going through it and i want to make sure that i keep my empathy because i'm not naturally fully empathetic like i feel things but they're usually in relation to me like uh, so it you know in order for me to kind of engage that muscle and really kind of get things into perspective i've got to meditate on it a minute and I realize, and I want to make sure that I understand out loud that, you know, I am grateful for a lot of the people that are going to work amidst this fucking nightmare. First responders, healthcare professionals, people delivering food. I know a lot of lip services paid to this, but I don't think there's ever going to be enough uh, ever going through it or in, in retrospect. There are people that are really stepping up and that are really being selfless in this. Maybe some people out of necessity, but some people truly have the heart to be selfless. And, you know, it is a holiday period for some. And it just, I, I just want to make sure I put that out there to remind myself and everybody else that, uh, you know, we, we get selfish and, you know, we think like, well, this is fucking inconvenient. And here I am living a life of, of leisure to a degree, though with, uh, again, with the, sort of constant current of terror anytime I go out in order to do an essential bit of business, grab some food, take a run, wearing the mask, a lot of people making masks. I've, I've not had any problem adjusting to the masks and seeing people with masks. You gotta get the right mask so you don't pass out. If it's too thick, you know, you might, you might black out and then you're going to think you have something wrong with you and then you're going to end up in the hospital and, you know, expose yourself to other possibilities. Take up valuable time for someone to tell you that uh, you hyperventilated because you were breathing your own air and breath into a mask and right back in again. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, get get a, a different fabric. You're okay. By the way, my guest today, Taylor Tomlinson... I'm sure most of you have watched your special by this point. Quarter Life Crisis. It's now streaming on Netflix. She also does a bit on uh, YouTube, I believe, with her her boyfriend, who is also a comic, Sam Morell, who's going to be on Thursday's show. Both of these interviews this week are uh, post-quarantine interviews. People that came over in the amidst the uh, home shelter and distancing rules to be part of this essential service. The podcast, 
We took proper precautions. We took pictures at a distance and we did it. We overcame it. But this is in real time, real face to face shit. Six feet apart, folks. Six feet apart. So a couple months ago, folks, we put out a special edition line of merch to celebrate the first 10 years of WTF. And the response was so great, we made a second line of posters, T-shirts, and new enamel pins. These are all new designs by the same artist, Johnny Jones, and you can get another limited edition poster, signed by me, a new glow-in-the-dark T-shirt, and a tentacle head enameled pin. These are some great trippy designs by Johnny, and just like the first batch, we're only making one run of this stuff. We'll post some pictures on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you can go get this stuff at podswag.com slash WTF, or go to WTFpod.com and click on the merch link. Dig it. I want to tell you that Sword of Trust, the film that Lynn Shelton made that I am in, along with Michaela Watkins, Jillian Bell, John Bass, Toby Huss, Dan Baxdahl, uh, is now on Showtime, both uh, on scheduled viewings and you can stream it on Showtime. It's now, you if you have Showtime, you can watch Sword of Trust. Enjoy it. So I was talking to you the other day, I, you know, that monkey was experiencing difficulty breathing, my near 16-year-old cat, and um, had to go to the vet, and I explained to you the process. I hadn't done the process, but I did the process, man. Right after I talked to you on Thursday, I got him in the cage, acted quick, had it open, top loader, dropped him in there. He freaked out, but he didn't shit or piss, which is progress. Drove to the vet, got there about 10 minutes before they came back from lunch, parked behind the place. At 2 o'clock, I called in to the front desk, said, uh, I got Monkey out here. And they said, we'll send somebody out. They sent somebody out, took Monkey in. I waited, got a call from the front. How do you want to pay for this? Paid for it on the phone. They brought Monkey back out, brought him home. I think he's doing all right. Doctor checked up on me. It's fucking heroes, man. I mean, people, some people, all they got is their fucking pets. And these people are working. They're working. People are working to save human lives, but they're also keeping pets alive, which are helping keep people sane and emotionally connected. Don't want to fall into yourself or get sick. Also, saw a movie I'd never seen before. Not a Criterion trip. It's weird, man. I just had this craving to see some, I want to see some early James Caan, old uh, footage of the tough Jew. Then we found this movie called Slither. Worst title. Kind of a great movie, though. Kind of a great little comedy from the 70s, early 70s. James Caan, Peter Boyle, Sally Kellerman, Alan Garfield is in it. Rest in peace, Alan. Lost Alan Garfield uh, last week, a few days ago. Alex Rocco is in it. It's kind of a great little movie. Sally Kellerman played my mother on Marin, and I love her, and I, I hope she's okay. Alex Rocco, who played Mo Green in The Godfather, did one of his last bits of acting on my show Marin. Uh, with Elliot Gould. It was Elliot Gould and Alex Rocco on that episode. Tremendous. Oh, man. I've had some good moments in my life. But this movie's kind of crazy. It's kind of a crazy movie. And uh, I recommend it because it's got that 70s vibe. 
but it was before comedies became overwritten and there's some genuinely kind of funny shit in there. And James Caan is just playing like an ex-con, oddly, but kind of a sensitive guy, kind of a, you know, slightly scared guy. And uh, it's kind of genius. There's there's bits between Kellerman and Khan that are just great and Peter Boyle's great. I just, I ne- maybe it's just me, but I never heard of the movie. So I had to rent it on iTunes. It's called Slither. See, I guess, I guess the problem was really that there was some, it sounds like a horror movie, and there was a horror movie called Slither, but this is Slither. It was in, it, it's 1973. It's just a great little 70s movie that I knew nothing about. Okay? That's all. All right? Also, maybe The Gambler would be good. The original Gambler? Wasn't that Mazursky? Am I making that up? Somebody help me. Hey, Google. Who directed The Gambler with James Caan? The Gambler was directed by Carol Rice. Oh, really? Why was I thinking Mazursky? That's weird. Hey, Google. Who wrote The Gambler with James Caan? The Gambler's story was written by James Chuback and Fyodor Dostoevsky. Toback. That's it. James Toback and Mazursky. I got them confused. All right. So Taylor Tomlinson, I didn't know going in. You know, she got pitched. She's a comic. She's a fan of this show. And uh, I didn't know her. I've never seen her before. I didn't know her from around. I don't know where she came from. And I, you know, and I prejudged her special. You know, I'm like, who's this young comic that all of a sudden can just do an hour? And uh, it was tight and well-written and well-performed. I mean, it's good. She's a good comic. And I and she's young. She's in her 20s. I was like, how do you get that much shit together? I'm trying to think, when did I get my... Wow. 63, 73, 83, 93. I was 32 before when I did my half hour and I barely had it together. She's like 27 or something when she did this. Anyways, the special is called um, Quarter Life Crisis. I enjoyed it. She's great. And she's got a great story. I was happy to talk to her. I'm happy that she came over. She was the first Let's Sit Six Feet Apart guest. There hasn't been many since her. There's only been three in total. Uh, But this is me talking to uh, Taylor Tomlinson. Do we have to do six feet? You can is pull this six feet? I mean, you're you're all right feels, over there. You yeah, okay? This feels all right. You feel far enough away. I have everything you need. There's hand sanitizer. Look at this. There's some rubber gloves. Amazing. I don't anticipate <laughs> that we'll need the rubber gloves. I mean, I I was just like, I don't know how nervous he is. It really comes down to, I don't know. I've been out. Mm-hmm. I've been to supermarkets. I'm not worried about you giving it to me, but I don't know me. Right. You. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt too. I mean, when when my team was asking me about doing podcasts, I was like, "Give me like one more week." Yeah, that I haven't been on a plane, right? Because if I give Mark Marin coronavirus, yeah. my career is over. No, it's not. Right? Just as it's beginning, Come it's on. over. No like, one. She killed the king. No one. No one's gonna blame anybody. <laughs> I, I'm the king of what? I mean, the, of comedy, I think. Oh, come I mean, on. I feel like, all right, I have to say this up top, and I'm okay. sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, this sounds exciting. This is like my oldest comedy dream. Yeah. Of like, you started this podcast six months before I started doing comedy, which was my junior year of high school. So like a little over a decade ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 2009, right? Yeah, right. Um, 
And so listening to this podcast is like how I learned how people became comedians. Really? Yeah. Well, and I started in a weird way. I started in like churches and stuff. Okay, wait. Let's go back. So, okay. okay so you're listening to my show secretly. <laughs> You had to listen to it secretly when you were in high school? Oh, yeah. No, I, this so, was not something I was throwing out in the car with my dad. Right. Nobody. And I'm sure your friends are like, Mark who? What? <laughs> I you, may, you are the only comedian I've ever paid to go see. <laughs> when I, You are. When, when I, was that? When I turned 18, yeah. you were at the Ice House in Pasadena. Oh, And yeah. I'd never been to a comedy club because right. I don't know how to make a fake ID. Right. I was a good kid. Yeah. And it was you headlining uh, with Eddie Pepitone and Maria Bamford. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It was insane. And yeah. it, I remember I sat in the back of the Ice House. I still feel this way when I perform there and just felt like, oh, my God, it's supposed to be like this. Uh -huh. Like, this is how it's supposed to sound right. on all the albums and specials right. I listened yeah. to. This is it. It was like like a huge turning point for me and uh, as was listening to your podcast so uh yeah this is like very surreal for me oh well I, well welcome nice to have you thank you i nice didn't know i didn't know who you were i know we well, never met I, how was i going to know who you were that's the weird thing about like you know these specials come out and yours came out uh, when did it come out a few weeks ago uh week before yours i think oh so we're all in the same kind of cluster yeah week before yours oh okay so you're still really doing press around that I mean, I was. Right. Uh, now everyone's kind of like- Nervous about can it? Can we do anything? Yeah, still doing like interviews yeah, and it, over the phone. Right. And the thing that's weird about Netflix is you don't know, you have no idea how many people are watching. All you can do is watch Twitter or watch whatever you're doing, like whatever platforms you're on. It's like, are people watching it? Those four people seem to. Right. I got nine tweets today. That means what? <laughs> times a million. That must be how many people- but you come out and I'm like, where the fuck they, but I don't know all the young people who are doing the young uh, up and comers mm -hmm. and you're dating, you're dating Sam. Mm -hmm. Like I know that guy because I think he middled for me in, in, uh, men, what's that one? Sunnyvale. Mm -hmm. Oh, at Rooster Tees. At Rooster Tees. I think Sam middled for me at Rooster Tees once when it must've been almost, you know, probably eight years ago. Yeah. Like, uh, but I know that I didn't know he was out here. Yeah, he's out here now for the foreseeable future. He was out here visiting, and he had already been out here a lot in oh, February. Oh, okay, right. So he, he wasn't living here. You're just stuck with him now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, very happily stuck with him. But he he lives in New York. He's never going to move. I live right. here. I'm from <clears throat> California. So yeah, He lucked out to get out of there. <laughs> I know. How long has he been out here? I mean, he's he's been out here since the 8th. Man, because it's a fucking disaster there. I know. I imagine it's going to get that way here to some degree. But like, we're naturally sort of isolated as people here. Like yeah. our our communal experiences. Not like New York, where you walk outside and you're in it. Yeah, and you just rely on public transportation. Everything. Like, we all have cars. Yeah, and... there's people everywhere, all all around you, all the time. Yeah. He got out. Yeah, I mean, he he was considering going back on like the 12, like because oh, things were about to get bad, and yeah. he's like. He is a New Yorker. Like he felt very loyal. He right. felt like he should go. And I was kind of like, I mean, I totally get it if you <laughs> if you feel like you need to, but yeah. I feel like it would be safer for you to just not even get on a plane. Yeah. No. Good call. How long you been with that guy? Like six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So I don't. I, obviously, there's no reason that I would have known you before. I mean, we don't seem to travel in the same circles, but mm -mm. it is kind of daunting and uh, and uh, impressive that you know. How old are you? 26. 26. And you got that like hour plus of solid shit 
Thank that you. looks pretty honed, pretty tight, <laughs> pretty revealing. You got a good pace to you, but you're talking about some pretty daunting personal shit. Oh, thank you. You're like Mulaney. Like, it sneaks in. You're like, this guy, <laughs> look at this kid. Chipper's got a good style. Wow, that was kind of dark. What just happened? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh, definitely tricking people. <laughs> there was darker stuff that I, I didn't put in this special because I was like, if this special goes well, maybe then people will come see me on purpose and then I can be a little more honest. So, like, the new hour that I was doing on the road yeah. uh, right before, uh, you know, you can't do shows anymore was like much darker and much more personal and even uh i did hilarities in cleveland two days after the special came out yeah it's nice and, that uh, guy nick yeah nick good guy. And, and sam and them and yeah he, he, sam goes uh the manager there goes yeah so did you get any like uh pushback from your reps about how much like darker you are now and i was like i don't i mean, no i don't but they haven't seen it yet i guess more is it personal it's personal yeah yeah, yeah. it's a lot like like i had jokes about like losing my mom as a kid that i just didn't put in this one cause I'm oh. like, let's just make this one about <laughs> my dad who's still alive let's just take the shit out you know just like throw dad under the bus for a while just a little bit i mean yeah. i feel like i cushioned it no you definitely well. yeah. definitely but uh, but yeah, no. There's there's more to be said about my relationship mined. with my dad for sure. Yeah, yeah and, and about your childhood in general. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a delicate balance, you know, because I had to deal with that with my special. But it wasn't so much personal darkness; it was a general sense of foreboding doom, mm. you know, which I think resonates with people. But if you're not careful, not unlike personal darkness, you people will get to a point where they're like, "All right, we're good," yes. you know. So. You sort of got to balance it with these other bits, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of, you know, to structure it so people don't go off the cliff and they're not going to look at you and go, this, she's got problems. Right. This is sad now. <laughs> right. You got to say, we're all going to die. Also, supplements seem like bullshit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. But I've done that sort of personal thing to like to an extreme as well mm. through different uh, parts of my life. I don't know what I was doing at the ice house, but some of that stuff gets kind of weighty. And then you have these people that are like, well, I mean, is this therapy? I hate that fucking mm. question. It's like, no, it's organized, structured, funny things about sad parts of my life yeah. designed to make you laugh. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Don't you hate when people ask you if it's therapy? Oh, my gosh. I it mean, I have, I have a lot of jokes about therapy now, which yeah. maybe heads that off a little bit or mm. maybe leans into it. I yeah. can't tell. Um, but yeah, no, I, I hear people say that not to me directly, but about other people where they're like, I don't know, it just, was that therapy or something? Right. And these are just, you know, yeah. civilians, not other comedians. Uh, and I don't know, I personally love it when comics get really dark and personal. Yeah. So I feel like I don't totally understand it, but I could sort of sympathize with an audience on the road that is just trying to have a night out and got a babysitter yeah those people are that yeah i don't yeah i i don't owe them an apology but i'm not everyone's idea of a night out yeah but it's like you got google like look me up yeah yeah do a little research yeah at this point yeah kind of but like but you you've experienced that like the nature of 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 mining yourself for material especially if it's dark and also like there was part of me watching your special where i'm like how 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 big of a problem could it be she's 12 <laughs> am I, this big life crisis she's having how much am i going to empathize for the for that girl who's complaining about her quarter life crisis <laughs> but it really i think it seems like about a third of it is really dealing with being your age and the other bit is about how you grew up 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And just not feeling ready to uh, make any decisions that would move my life forward. Sure. <laughs> Except that you have this like incredibly tight hour plus of stand-up that clearly you've been working on diligently and, and uh, in a very focused way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that's just because I think I'm going to die really young. So yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I mean, when your parent dies really young, you go, oh, I guess I'm going to die at 34 also. Oh, my God. 34? 34. So every time I get something in this business i'm like well i mean i'm about to die so it makes sense that the universe would or god or whoever would give me this yeah. <laughs> before i die i mean when when everything went down like a week after my special came out you're like oh here we go i was like yeah this <laughs> this, this is why this I, adds up yeah. but it's funny mine came out a week after and i felt the same way right but i was like i timed this just right <laughs> I mean, I was talking about this, you know, yeah. this makes perfect sense, but I didn't think it made perfect sense because of course I'm going to die. It was like, I did it. Yeah. I got in under the wire. I was, you know, this is great timing for me, bad timing for the world. Yes, exactly. Do you feel like people are more likely to uh, find your special and watch it because of the name? Or yeah, do you for f- sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought too. But then I was also like, does that mean, do you think people are also like, I don't want to think about the fact that it's the end times, oh. so they'll avoid it. Because I'm the type of person who like wants to watch Contagion right now. Right? No, it's very. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. Yeah. But then uh, the other side of it is people going, "I, I would know. never." I guess. Right now. I think that's wearing out, though. I, I think that like in times like these, where people are painfully aware of what's happening, you know, the desire to distract uh, yourself is 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 heavy. But you're also very onto it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're just going through life and your problems are everyday problems and you like check out however you're going to check out, which is like most of your fucking day mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not thinking like I'm dying. Right. So like I think the idea of checking out now, it's a little more loaded because how are you going to do it? Like, I'm just going to get my mind off this and you're not doing anything else. Yeah. But sitting at home, sitting at home wondering how this is going to fucking pan out. Yeah. So you might as well look at the worst of it. Let's yeah. watch Contagion to see what we're up against. Yeah, I Googled it. The end, they find a vaccine. So <laughs> Same with Outbreak. Yeah. yeah. They find the monkey at the end of Outbreak. Right. If the end was there's no more Earth, then I wouldn't watch that. What just came on? Oh, was oh, that outside? That. Yeah. I'm having like, wow. <laughs> so, all right. But let's, now I feel like I've, I've dealt with this. You're a special guest. You know, this happens. <laughs> And this is the new space, and this is not as noisy as it could be, but it won't last forever. Yes. Much like this pandemic, we hope. I hope. What are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, for this pandemic situation. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm I'm lucky that Sam stayed here because... I mean, I was not going to go see my family or anything coming off of two weeks on the road where I was like Vegas to New York to Cleveland. Right. I was like, all right, I guess I have to not see anybody for two weeks. But he was also coming off of being on the road from here to there to wherever yeah. uh and so and we had already been together for a few days so it's yeah. like okay if you have it or i have it we've given it to each other right so let's hunker down here right i mean or you can go back to new york and also self-isolate in which case we just would have been on facetime all day right um but for us it's pretty nice because we're long distance right so we we've, we've never gotten to like hang out hang out like this how's that going it's actually going great really yeah we're like i mean we're just like very good friends like i would just hang out with him anyway i was hesitant to date him because i was like i would like to be friends with you and he's like well i'm not gonna be your friend now and i'm like okay well then i guess we'll date but i i was like i like you so much as a person 
and I feel like we, you know, could hang out forever. Uh, well, he's a he's a sharp guy. He's a great, yeah. great joke writer. Yeah, seems like a sweet sort of soft spoken dude. I don't really know him, but he doesn't seem like a a loudmouth or a guy who's gonna make a scene. No, not at all. Very nice guy. Yeah. So we just we've been making dumb videos and start a movie podcast for the time being, and what what most people I think are doing. Six uh, months you've been I, with him. Six months, yeah. First comic you've dated? No. Second, second comic I've dated. Who's the other guy? Uh, I don't know why I'm asking. This. I don't, know, just, I don't I think dated, you know him. I was married to a, a woman who was a comic trying to right. you know, do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there were, it got ugly around that. The, mm-hmm. I think that the deepest resentment she had towards me was something I did not do for her as somebody in show business, which is bad. Oh. Yeah. 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 Have, have you guys had any? Well, no, it's, I'm not going to put any bait in your head. He's had a special. He's had a special. Yeah, he just had a special come out uh, called I Got This with Comedy Central. Right. Uh, So you guys are good. You're even. Yeah. I mean, for me, me, it's interesting because like the the other comic I dated was not like better than me. Right. We were kind of, we were like the same age and stuff. So it's been interesting for me dating somebody who's, you know, been doing it closer to like 15 years and is, in my opinion, just clearly better. And I would never. Different. (laughs) Like. I mean, different, yes, but also just been doing it longer. So, you know, it's hard to argue with that. So, and he's never made me feel like that or or said anything, but I feel that way. And so... uh, I don't know if it's necessarily true. I mean, he does a different form. He's like a joke guy. I mean, you're a joke woman, but, you know, you're a long form person. (laughs) Right, yeah, Yeah. we have very different styles. He's like joke to joke. Like, he's Mm -hmm. like a tell style, right? Or he used to be, yeah. And then, and but you're like long form, like personal stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I wish I were more yeah, I topical. Always <laughs> right? well, I always wish I I could write tight jokes and be satisfied with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think when you do long form, you know there are jokes in it, mm-hmm. and you know you're getting laughs. But there's some magic to writing one liners or just three line jokes that yeah. land. I just even when I've done it, it's like doing math to me. Like you know, you're just sitting there writing these jokes, mm-hmm. and then like. It's not satisfying enough for me to just be like, that one landed. Yeah, no, I need you to laugh and also see me. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, this is also for me. This is what I've been doing to to know who I am. (laughs) And now I have my space as a human, and I need you to hear me and see me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No matter what, you you don't have to like me, but I I have things to say. But I exist. Yes, it's exactly how I... That's why I did it. Were your parents... Like painfully selfish on top of Christian or uh, your dad, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I just I think I am the way I am because they took up a lot of air. Mm, yeah, I mean, I had an interesting situation after my mom passed away. My dad got remarried uh, somewhat quickly and sort of got to like revamp his life a little bit. Uh, like he got reboot. a new yeah he got like a new career and we moved mm. to like a nicer place and like he got a new wife who he's still with and she's wonderful and they're an amazing couple Mm. um but it was it was a strange dynamic uh that i'm probably still working through in therapy to be mourning like the loss of the most important person in your life while the other most important person in your life uh is uh, falling in love and in Moving the midst on. of yeah in the midst of like a honeymoon period wow. essentially well, which he deserved i mean at that point he'd been through the ringer for years with my mom being sick so i'm so, glad he was happy but well, well where did you grow up uh i grew up uh in like modesto until oh. i was like 10 and then i was in uh, temecula now those are those are 
LA satellites, right? Or are they Bay Area satellites? I always forget. Yeah, Modesto is like an hour from Sacramento. Okay. And then okay, Temecula right, is right. like in between LA and San Diego. It's like closer to San Diego. Okay, so one's Empire. up north and one's a little south. Yeah. Okay. So how old were you? Are you the only kid? No, I have three younger sisters. Three younger sisters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so you're, and your dad was doing what up there in uh, He was a music teacher. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah, he's like an amazing singer. He's so good. I mean, he wanted to be a performer and then realized like he couldn't travel that much and also like have a family and he really wanted a family. So he changed his major to music education uh, because he was like, no, I want to have kids and I want to be there and stuff. And so I think when when I started doing stand up, uh, he and I took a class together, which was his idea. That's how I started doing stand up. And uh I think he got a real kick out of it and probably still does to a degree that I am making a living being a performer. Uh, but like how, so he taught, what what ages? Like, like... He was teaching high school. Uh, ah. He ta- I think he taught like all grades at a yeah. certain point. But my memory of it is that he was teaching like show choir in, oh, so in does, high school. So does he play an instrument? Yeah, he plays piano. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And and so your, your siblings must be, some one of them must be pretty young still. Uh, yeah, my youngest sister is uh, 20. Oh, okay. So how old were you when your mom passed away? Eight. So we were two, four, six, and eight. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's fucking horrendous. Yeah, it's early. I but... mean, what what uh, what happened? She had cancer. I mean, you know. Really? Pretty standard. She had uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma mm. that I think became breast cancer, was coupled with breast cancer, but it was it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it happened after she had all of you or she knew that she was sick? Right after she had my youngest sister. And I guess she was having like really terrible night sweats and went to the doctor a couple times and they were like, it's hormones. And then turns out it was cancer. Yeah. But so they must have started pretty young, huh? How mm-hmm. old was she when she had you? Like twenty four or something, or twenty six? I guess maybe. she was twenty five. Wow, twenty six? I yeah. guess yeah, twenty six maybe. Your age? Oh, I was I was turning nine like two months later, so she must have been twenty five. Uh huh. When she when she had me. And so your memories of her are vague, or I probably have the most memories of her, and I only have a handful. So, like, my youngest sister obviously doesn't remember anything. Mm. Uh, I think my second youngest sister remembers a tiny bit. And then, uh, you know, me, like, the two older ones, me and uh, me and my other sister, we, we have a handful. Uh-huh. But, you know, yeah. Like you, what? Like food, I mean, going to the... Yeah, like shopping for school clothes at oh, really? Walmart. You and remember that? I remember that. Uh, I remember times she got mad at me. Like, that's the thing is all the things you remember from your childhood were either, like, really, really great or really, really traumatic. traumatic. So you're yeah. like, oh, remember that time that we, you know, ate cookie dough in the middle of the night and scrapbooked? And it's like, remember that time she locked you in the garage? Like, it's, what? you know, you're like, yeah. there's a real... Uh, <laughs> there's a real uh, difference between all the memories, and they're all very heightened, uh-huh. um, which is which is interesting. Do you do you like? I'm only asking this because I talked to Sean Lennon about it. Do you sort of, um, and he brought it up that the memories he does he does have of his father that are his own, he really like almost like nurtures them, mm, like mm-hmm. he holds on to them and makes sure that they don't fade. Yes. Do I you, think so too. You do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will catch myself, myself sometimes going, 
ooh, I don't remember what her voice sounds like. I need to watch an old video or something. Wow. You know, because yeah. you just start to forget. There are videos, though. There are some videos, yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, not like, you know, if I had kids, what they would have now. I mean, right, God, right. it's the best time to have a dead mom right, right. now. You can go through their Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. And but, we're uh, thinking that, but <laughs> maybe that's true. Maybe they should comfort themselves. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, there's like home movies. And sure. She kept a lot of like scrapbooks. And my youngest sister found... Um, her journals she kept a journal from the time your she mom was, did yeah from the time she's like in third grade mm. up until she got pregnant with me wow and so we found like a box of those maybe any, six years ago is it all sort of any sorted things any how, yeah, i mean you know there's <laughs> yeah. the one where she got married she was dating and then got married uh-huh. to my dad yeah and then got pregnant with me and they were not planning to get pregnant oh, wow so it's interesting to read your mom being like I just were, you know, he's worried about it and he can't hear about it yet. And I, I feel like, you know, a pregnant teenager in high school, like oh, this she is not hadn't the plan. told him. No, she had, she, I think she, he knew, but oh, he was so... like so stressed out that he mm. was kind of like, look, just, I don't tell me right now. Like tell me in a right, few days or something, right. uh, based wow. on what I read. Like, I think they were very stressed out when they got pregnant with me. Wow. That's sort of a interesting insight into any parent, whether dead or not, to to see that private dialogue mm-hmm. with herself, yeah. between herself, right? Yeah. And I don't know that he read them. I know he asked to, but I don't think he actually read them. Did we all sister... burned through them, right. of course. Yeah. That's... Are you guys keeping them from him? Uh, you know, we we have them. Okay. I mean, again, I gave him I gave him the college one yeah. at one point, but I don't. I just don't think he ever read it. Uh-huh. I don't think I would want to. Mm. If my spouse passed away, I don't think I'd want to read their diary hmm. from any part of our marriage. Not no. that she said anything terrible, right. but uh, you know, I just thinking from my own perspective, I'm like, I don't know that I'd even want to chance it. Maybe because I keep, I've kept journals. So I know what I've written and I'm like, I don't want to. Well, yeah, I think we're, I mean, it's, it's, it is, I guess, I don't know. I don't keep journals, but it's relative to the type of person you are. Some mm-hmm. of us are, I, the only time I journaled, you know, compulsively was during a, my uh, second divorce, you know, mm. just to keep my sanity. Yeah. You know, but there was a lot of like dark thoughts going on then mm-hmm. and a lot of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and would you want anyone to read that? No, but I've, I'm pretty open about a lot of it. I, yeah. I went through it, you know, because when you write a journal and you get through whatever you're journaling, you're kind of like, I bet you that stuff's pretty amazing. Right. <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> And then you go read it. You're like, holy fuck, this yeah. is sad. But when and you first write it, you're like, I should publish yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is deep shit. And it's just you repeating things day to day. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I just put the date and scribbled real hard on this page. <laughs> hey, That's yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. Didn't write much this day, but I showed up for it to say I'm not feeling like writing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was the, what do you, as you get older and you have some hindsight mm-hmm. and you definitely talk about in your standup, I mean, what- what do you think the the major effect it's had on you personally is? Oh, I mean, I think you are always trying to impress somebody who no longer exists. Like my biggest fear growing up is that my mom would not have liked me mm. if she got to know me. And there's no way to find out if she would have or not. I mean, you assume that she would have. Sure. And like, or she would have at least pretended to. Right. 
right. long enough for you to eventually change into something she could Yes, like. she would have at least loved me out of obligation right, right, right. until, you know, yeah. my brand became something she could get on board with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's why, like, if family members of mine from that side of the family, you know, watch my stand-up and say things about, you know, we're very proud of you, I'm like, thank you so much. It feels like getting some of that from her that uh-huh, I never got. Uh-huh. And, you know, every good thing that happens in your life, there's a little voice in the back of your head going, oh, here's another thing that they're never going to see. Oh, you really, you hear that. You mm-hmm. feel that. Yeah. Yeah. That, so the absence never uh, kind of goes away. I don't it's think active. so. Yeah. Active absence. Yeah. I said that to my my grandma, who's my mom's mother, uh-huh. um, a couple years ago. I was just like, when, I, I'm like, I just yeah. want to stop dealing with this. Like, when am I going to be past this? Because I would feel like, I feel good about that. Like, I that's a thing that happened to me, but it doesn't control my life. And I don't think about it every single day and I'm yeah. fine. And then, you know, there'd be one year that I thought about it every day and it felt like it was affecting everything. And and she said, you know, I don't think we're ever going to. I think it's just always going to be there in the back of your head and it's always going to be something that we are dealing with a little bit but yeah. you know we're fine and we're all good and happy and i i think uh she has definitely fielded a lot of questions from me and my sisters about yeah. her over the years uh-huh. um and she is seemingly to me like the most at peace with it um which is incredible to me because i can't imagine losing a child i mean i've never even had a child but i can't imagine that um and your father it sounds like whatever grief he was going through however he handled it he was still there for you guys yeah i think so i mean he it's funny we've talked more recently about that period of time um which is helpful because it it we were so young, we didn't really know exactly what he was going through. Mm-hmm. I think for him, he had four daughters, yeah. and he was suddenly by himself, and he was like, well, I can't stop. Like, I have to just keep going. Like, he told me once, he was like, I remember, like, the first day I took you guys to school, because it yeah. happened, like, the week before we went back to school. Yeah. And he's like, I got you guys all to school, and I came home, and I, like, laid down for yeah. a minute, and I just thought, okay, I can't, I can't just lay here. Like if I forever, yeah. Like I have to just get <laughs> yeah. up and clean and go to work, and like I I have to keep moving. Yeah. Um. And f- did for us in in a huge way, and obviously you know met my my now mom, my stepmom, and uh, really I think he he kind of pushed it down for a long time. Uh. And because in a he way, because he had a deal, and yeah. in a way was um was already mourning mm. while she was sick because i mean oh, we knew right. she was right. going and right. she's fading and he's taking care of her for a year and just watching you know oh, your right. little person you love like you're watching them die slowly and in your head you're preparing yeah so i mean it wasn't like she passed right. and he goes oh now we start mourning like right. he'd already been there but, yeah but you guys were just hanging on to hope i imagine like kids do he told me and my sister who's closest to me in age yeah. so I, when we were six and eight he was like mom's not gonna make it basically and she's they gave her a month or so really? so i remember him telling us that do you remember how you responded i i, I just remember not feeling like it was real right right which right. i think even after she died i felt that sure, way right i can see that yeah because yeah, yeah. you're so young you're like this is a movie. I'm a Disney princess. Right. Yeah, this doesn't happen yeah. to this to me. I mean, that's how I think people respond with anything as final and dire. Like even like this mm-hmm. pandemic, most people are like, "Come on." Yeah. You know, it's like, "What?" 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. It's like, how bad is it really? And now it's like, it's bad. Yeah. yeah it's bad. Oh, my best friend uh, from childhood was yeah. calling me in like early February. Like yeah. she's like, I'm really concerned about this coronavirus thing. And I was like, it's the flu kills people every year. It's fine. Yeah, like, that one. The yeah. Flu, not this quickly. I and, know. And not- not all at once. Oh, cut to a month later. I'm calling her like, you guys are stocked up for how long? How? Yeah. What else should I get? Do you guys have a gun yet? Like just, you know, t- totally on board now. I was like, yeah. I am so sorry. I told you this wasn't a big deal. She's like, it's okay. Do you okay. have a gun yet? So where does Jesus play into all this uh, sadness and cancer and your upbringing? Because I know you, you really do talk about um, Christianity in a way that, you know, I've talked to other Christians that were, you know, grew up where it was a huge part of their life, might be the biggest part of their life, mm-hmm. and you talk like one of those people. Yeah, it was. Oh. It definitely was. <laughs> I mean, I started doing stand up in churches, you know. But when but how did it play into, you know, dealing with the grief when you were a kid or your dad's grief? I mean, I how mean, does that work? I feel like it was uh, a source of comfort for my entire family. I feel like that's how people in my family deal with tragedy is yeah. they you know turn to god and they trust god and that was definitely how i tried to deal with it as well but i remember like the second my mom died i remember thinking i everyone keeps talking about how we're gonna see her again and yeah. i don't i don't know why i don't feel that way but because everyone older and smarter than me is telling me that that's what's going to happen so it must be what's going to happen but i don't i've never felt like that i've never felt like oh we're just gonna we're gonna die and we'll all be together again and it'll be fine yeah i need more detail yeah you, you know like uh like i'm not i wasn't a christian obviously and i'm, I'm not a big believer in, in much but like even the heaven idea like what do we so we're gonna see them but do, do we is are we gonna have a place to hang out right <laughs> how are they gonna recognize people who only met you when you were younger yeah and, yeah, you know. yeah i mean is it, are we is it uh are they gonna meet us there at the place do yeah they, are they waiting for it like <laughs> do they know the rendezvous point right or? right a lot of details how big is heaven because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, is there neighborhoods that <laughs> coincide with our neighborhood <laughs> is everyone gonna be there i don't know but uh oh so you had at least doubts about the afterlife at that age, you felt that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and for a while, I just kind of blindly was like, no, this is the thing. And What brand of uh, Christianity? I don't even know. I was mean, it like, uh, was it born again-y? Kind of or like new Christian. I think I just uh, think like whatever whatever Christianity uh, is, where you had like uh, kind of like a, a slightly hot worship leader oh, yeah, leading yeah, the band, yeah. where it was kind of like we're a cool church, you know, yeah, like right. that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so sort of uh, new, the new Christianity. Yeah, I think so. Um, that being said, you know, my my dad is like very very conservative and was like the One Bible the is a textbook. So. Right, right, but he, you know, but he doesn't identify as a Methodist, a Baptist, a Unitarian, a no. Lutheran, or a Catholic. It's a, uh, you know, it's Christian, Christian. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I think technically, the church we grew up when we were young was Baptist, and then maybe the one we grew yeah. up in. It's Christiany, and it's uh, all encompassing. Yes, right. yes, absolutely. And the pastor was uh, bordering on sort of charismatic self-help and you know yeah definitely definitely charismatic like oh you could have been an actor maybe that that kind of situation yeah yeah uh you know i got the hustle yeah i mean it it is a performance every weekend you gotta you gotta recognize a fellow (laughs) live performer (laughs) so at that age like so when did you start like did you go to was there a christian school 
I didn't go to a Christian school. I mean, the Temecula is a pretty conservative Christian what suburban time, area. You, when you went down there, mm, nine. Oh, oh, so he like he got remarried within a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they met. They met shortly after my mom passed away. Did um, you? I, I so he needed somebody, but did you innately? dislike her or question it no i think i was excited about it Mm. because you're still in that sort of fantastical place of like i get to be in a wedding and i'm nine and i'm I'm gonna have a new mom and everything will be fixed yeah and uh it was it was tough for a few years it was an adjustment and uh she and i did not get along for a little while and then i think at a certain point we kind of had it out and my dad said like you guys have different love languages and she just is not a very like touchy feely person Mm. um she's very much like acts of service and uh uh, you know she'll she'll think about you in other ways she'll be like oh i bought you flip-flops because they broke at the beach and that's like her way of hugging you sure and we were used to being hugged Uh. like we went from like a stay-at-home mom to uh a a very like successful uh hardworking like realtor mom yeah. who had a lot of money when we married her and then all of a sudden had like five people in her house like she went from being completely autonomous to you are now in a family of six overnight which is right. i mean it's a lot oh it's so much she didn't have kids she didn't have kids and no. they didn't have any more no she can't have kids uh-huh. which is Probably good because we have enough of them. There's enough kids. Yeah, four kids is enough. But they're still together, and it worked out. And you got and she yeah. she raised you to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh she she and my dad are so compatible. It's huh. it's like made it hard to date as an adult sometimes. Where I go, oh, it, how how does anyone find someone like that? Like they are genuinely best friends. They work together. They hang out all the time, and they are like on each other's team no matter what. And uh, your dad's a realtor now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're like they're together all the time and they're the best couple I've ever seen. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So when did shit start to go south with uh, you and your faith? And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but like because you say, you know, I, I know it's part of your story that you started doing stand up in church. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so you're going to church every Sunday and is there like a, a weekly school type of deal too? Or, or is there, no? No, no, it wasn't, uh, we just went to public school. We weren't right. in like Christian school. But or no, there's no Sunday school or that kind of shit and whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Sunday, like that's just church, church. on Sunday right. is when you're in, you know, right, middle so, school, high school. So tell me what what uh, compelled you to stand up. Were you a stand up fan? when you Because you started, how old were you when you first started doing stand up? 16. That's like that's a little freakish. Usually, people who start when they're sixteen, they get paraded by the industry as like, "Look at this sixteen-year-old do stand-up." And <laughs> they have ten minutes and then they disappear because they couldn't write. Another. Right. Well, thank God uh, I started in churches where nobody was watching you. Um, that's how it works. So, when how old do you when your dad and y- yourself took that class? Sixteen. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And whose class was it? Uh, this co- this Christian comic named Nazareth was teaching it. a christian comic with one name mm-hmm. and it's nazareth yeah Real how guy. big is the christian <laughs> comedy scene it's not very big there's is not it a just ton. nazareth it's <laughs> no i would say i would say maybe there's like 10 what 10 make... guys and and ladies that i now i think i've seen some of that but i mean how much of it was christian based i mean is it just about oh a lot being... Mine wasn't. I never did. But it's the not church. just. It's not just about being clean or, or respecting family values. It's you know Jesus is in it. 
Yeah, yeah. Because they're perfor- they're performing in exclusively churches, so of course you're gonna. So they're sanctioned. They're they're valid. They're they're like they're okayed by the church. Mm-hmm. So it almost becomes an extension of Jesus' education. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was certainly part of the class where he was like, "Here's how you know if it's appropriate to end your set with an altar call." You know, like it's. <laughs> It, there's some of that in there. What's an altar call? It's when you uh, basically Sorry. do the whole prayer of like, uh, if you're here tonight and you're feeling God move in your heart, come up to the front and we'll pray with you and we'll, you know, get oh, you so saved. That basically. was a potential closer yeah. for a Christian comic. <laughs> yeah. If you're bombing, <laughs> altar call. Yeah, always go to the yeah. altar call. You can't lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think once I started uh, doing stand-up in clubs and, and meeting people that I just wasn't exposed to in, you know, my very conservative, sheltered childhood. But tell me about, like, these other Christian comics. So I imagine, how long long were you in that world of doing Christian comedy? 16 to what? For, like, a couple years or? A couple years where it was mostly that. Yeah, but then I was doing doing the occasional church show still up until I was 22, up until, like, four years ago. Okay, so what... What tell me some of uh, I, I'd like to know how faith fits into to some of their jokes. I guess I could just go online and look, but like mm-hmm. for yourself, what kind of jokes were you doing at that time that you would would call specifically Christian jokes? I didn't have any. I was very much like I just want to be clean. I don't want to do any jokes about church. But it makes sense why these guys have so many jokes about church in their act because they're only performing in church and they're getting paid and they're getting paid a lot. So you part know, of the hustle. Right. And everybody in that church goes to church, obviously. So that's you So know. are they there, you know, they they're like the extra added thing on a Sunday, or does the church say like it's Saturday night comedy night? Saturday night comedy oh, night. Oh, so there's a whole circuit. Yeah. And these these guys rake it in because, you know, they got a built in audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then hmm. you gotta make sure that you are not making any mistakes. That world is so strict in a way that, yeah. you know, the the secular world is not. Yeah. Like, you can get canceled as a church comedian for even just having sex. Like, Within that community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, you know, you, and it is, you know, it's like you, you are kind of... You're not just a comedian coming into a church. You're coming in going, I'm, I'm the thing that you want right like i'm you know i'm a good christian pure and i'm a good christian yeah. and i have all these values and and some people who perform in churches are are absolutely totally authentically that mm-hmm. and there are some people um who you know i suspect may not be um and for me when i i did last comic standing when i was 20 21 and uh they were like we want to do a backstory on you about being a christian comic and i was like i really don't want to be billed as a christian comic i was like i'd really prefer not to be and they were like no totally we get it we're just gonna say you like started in one and we'll film you at one and it's your backstory and then of course it comes out and it's like edited like i'm the only christian comic here (laughs) and you're like oh all right um oh really that happened yeah that happened and then like i did maybe another year of well, you had to. A few church gigs, yeah, because you're staying, staying alive, money. Mm. And uh, and then at a certain point- When did you start getting paid? To do churches? Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, so early. Like, the first few months. Like, it, they were letting you do, like, 15 minutes in front of 500 people. And you'd been on stage less than 15 times. So it's, that was sort of, that's how you got your chops. Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely- um, Like, you didn't have to do, like, an open mic thing- 
No, I mean, I did open mics in San Diego uh, once I was 18 and I could. Right, but I mean, but that was, but you already had, you already had bits. Yeah, I had bits and I was comfortable on stage. Right, because you had all this experience with the churches. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that you paid some pretty, it was a gift to be able to, in some ways to, I guess in, in, I guess you had limitations, right? So you could only write within a context. Like you can only- Express yourself to a certain degree, but as long as you stayed in that lane, uh, you could you had uh, access to these huge audiences. Yes. So you could really figure out where and how and you know to get laughs just on a basic level. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But at a certain point, you you go. I I don't want to be under this sort of scrutiny for my whole life, where like I am being fired from a church gig because I tweeted something with innuendo in it. Yeah. That was like the last church gig I had where I was, uh, I was opening for a big Christian comic. Which one? Um, I don't know if I should say, I mean, you could figure it out if you look online probably. You're not saying anything bad about him. That's true. I'm not. (laughs) I mean, they fired me, but I don't blame them. Um, I was opening for, uh, for Tim Hawkins, who's like a huge Uh Christian comedian. And, uh, I tweeted, uh, a joke that was like sexual innuendo that I ended up doing on Conan a few years later. But yeah. uh, it, I remember his tour manager called me and was just like, hey, like we think you're great and you know that, but like we think it would just be best if we took you off the spring tour dates. Cause yeah. like we have kids in our audience and you know, we do songs on YouTube about homeschooling and whatnot. Like we just, we have to think about our audience yeah. and we can't have, you know, we can't be like endorsing somebody. So you lost who, a few gigs. Yeah, oh. yeah, and at that point, I've I've never been fired from anything, right? So you were twenty. No, at that point I was twenty, twenty one or twenty two. Uh huh. And I remember I I talked to my manager and I was like, hey, like I just can't do any more churches ever again. And it took a few more times of them going, but it's this much money. I'm like, you can't even tell me how much money it is. Yeah. Like I can't do it anymore because I am. I feel like I am tricking these people. I feel like I am going into these spaces unsure of what I believe and maybe I want to start swearing occasionally in a comedy club which up until that point I hadn't been but I'm like if I accidentally say something on stage and a video goes up and they get sent a video of me saying asshole like I don't want to worry about getting the rest of my life yeah like this is blackballed from the only work I'm getting yeah and there were things I wanted to talk about like darker subjects and and whatever else like I was in clubs. Like, I didn't want to have to be watching every move I made and every word I said. Uh, Did this coincide with the crisis of faith or were you over that before? I I think it was, I think it was kind of all the same time. And I think when you are um, in that world and and your family is all in that world, you want to hold on to it as long as you can. Yeah. So it was definitely a few years of me going, I'm just not going to think about that right now. Right. But I, I don't know how I feel about it. And maybe I'm still doing that to a certain extent. But, but what About I, belief in God or just the nature of the faith you were brought up in? I think belief in uh-huh. God. I mean, I'm, I'm in a place now where I just, I can't wrap my head around anybody going, I've, I figured it out what happens. Right. I know exactly what happens. It's right here. It's written down. Right. So we can all just calm down. We know exactly what's coming. Because for me, I'm like, but nobody actually knows. And you talk to devout Christians and they're like, but I know. And you're right. like, but you don't though. And they're right. like, no, 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 I know. And you're like, this is, I can't, 
I can't talk to you. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah, no changing their mind. Yeah, but there are some Christians who are like, yeah, we don't know, and you should, yeah. you know, search and doubt and yeah, have a listening. Yeah. So, but the, you'll be back. No, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see you in a little while. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I I like the idea of there being something greater than all of us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I grew up with that. I, I, in times like these, I'm certainly like. Okay, maybe we start praying again. I yeah. don't know, you know. So I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, like an atheist now right. or anything no, by any yeah, yeah. by so, any stretch. But so you were 22 when you said no more churches, mm-hmm. and you did churches from like 16 to 22, basically. Yeah. So when you were coming up like that, I mean, who were the people outside of uh, listening to my podcast? Who were who were the people that were most influencing you, and you know, kind of making you know that you were doing the thing you wanted to do? Um, I mean, Pete, Pete Holmes podcast came out a little bit after that. And that was helpful for me to listen to somebody who was also kind of going through like crisis of faith stuff and was a comedian because there wasn't really anybody else that Mm -hmm. I knew of or to look to as like, oh, they were a Christian and now they're transitioning into just like a comedian, you know? Right. Um, so that was helpful. I mean, I opened for Brian Regan for a few years. Uh, really? Yeah. He has like a group of people who use, and I was in that rotation for a little while. Fun. Yeah. He just, he just found me on YouTube. It was uh-huh. so random. It took me like a couple gigs to be like, Hey, where'd you, how did you find So out? you're doing big rooms. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I was featuring. You, know, like you, you started doing like arenas. I mean, yeah. in theaters. Yeah. And that was, yeah, I guess that was fairly, that was like, 20, 21, like you, 22. Like, like, but, but your first gigs, like it's like when you started, you're like 500 people is not unusual. Right, yes. Yeah. Doing open mics was much harder. <laughs> you're like, there's five people here and they all hate me yeah. and themselves. They're all friends of the next guy. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so you, you did on and off stuff with Reagan for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly great to watch as oh a my gosh. craftsman. Amazing. And like the nicest person and- you know, introduces himself to everybody at the theater and is just like very humble and uh-huh. personable. And uh, yeah, and then I featured for Bert on the road for a little while before Kreischer? I started headlining. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, and you really, you can't open for like two more different acts That's than for sure. yeah. Regan yeah. And, and Bert. Shirt on, shirt off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like I was really lucky in that I got to, I got to, you know, do like a cold, 20 minutes super clean in a theater and then the next weekend go you know do 25 for like a rowdy comedy club sold out audience yeah but where were you putting your stuff together how were you building was it all on the road or were you going to mike's did you have a home club here because like i would have known you if you were at the store but you're not at the store i was not at the store i only got passed at the store like a year and a half ago Uh but i i I was passed everywhere else so i was the the factory and the improv yeah the factory was the first place i think that passed me and like you know ice house and improv and comedy magic like i was passed everywhere else so for me i was like why would i when you were 21 like 22 yeah Uh so by the time I was doing development spots. I was like, why would I like kind of leave the night open for six minutes? Yeah, who cares? Right, when you can do 15 to 20 and try some shit for a real audience. Yeah, and I was kind of like, all right, if I get successful enough, maybe he'll pass me. So now, did you get passed out all these places? You know, how did you get in front of these people? How'd they find find you? you? Do you have good management? No, I just got put on like, independently booked shows and oh, okay. then you know like oh, and then they jamie happened to be there that right. wednesday oh, yeah, night yeah, yeah, and yeah. saw me and was right. like you can call in like i got passed at the factory before last comic 
Uh, and then I think everywhere else was either right before or or around that time. Because they could or see you're like you know you were congealed. Certainly helped. Yeah. Yeah. You were like you know you're tight. Right. Yeah. And you had a, you know it's because I I can't imagine the the you know how much it really made a difference to you know to be comfortable just stepping on a stage in front of 500 people when you're 16 and having that opportunity over and over again to to come to the factory as daunting as it may be it's definitely not 500 people no but it's, it's way harder you I know? Keep, well yeah because they can see you you know, yeah you, you know and they're not just sort of blindly supportive because you're a nice christian girl yeah and they're eating and right but i know. but but you still like you know you put together like a skill set that mm-hmm. you know, must have really kind of landed. Yeah, I mean, and your I, material's good. Yeah, hopefully, it all worked out. <laughs> it looks like it is. I mean, sort of. We're all. Who knows if so, we can do live shows after this? But <laughs> right. But then, so after when you were twenty-two, like, how much of a, di- a difference does Last Comic Standing make for you? Um, I don't know that it made a huge difference for me. I think it was just sort of helpful to have a, a TV credit, you know. But I, I also got like i booked like 50 colleges at doing uh, naca you did the naca thing? like a, yeah like a few months before that's good living for a year or two, yes huh? yeah and so if you land those schools you know which you did you landed like what'd you say 40 or 50 yeah oh so you know that's real work man yeah that's how i went full time yeah 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 mm-hmm. and do you still do it not really occasionally no. i haven't done a college in a while um i i mean I was definitely aware of the fact that I was very young and that was probably part of why I was doing oh, well at colleges. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you know, you're you're talking about things that they are also experiencing. Life. Yeah. Yeah, but then you like I was also living with my parents at the time when I first auditioned for NACA. Yeah. And then the next few years I wasn't and I was right. paying my own bills. And once you start paying your own bills and, and living in the real world, you start to realize like, oh, a lot of these kids at these colleges are freshmen. Like a lot of them are yeah, like yeah, 17, 18. They're at the show because they can't go off campus. Yeah. 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 I don't even, I wouldn't even know what to, what, what I would do. Yeah. Like they're kids. Yeah. And they get real uncomfortable with dark jokes or sex jokes or offensive. Like they're, they're very they're very nervous because they haven't they haven't been to a live comedy show before a lot of them Mm. and it's not their fault like when people talk about oh college kids are so sensitive and they'll cancel you for whatever and they just want to be offended for other people and it's like they just haven't lived that much right it's not their fault like a lot of them aren't stand-up comedy fans like they don't know what they feel when they feel it even yeah and a lot of them are you're doing like you're there the first week of school and none of these kids know each other. <laughs> yeah. Like this is That's a tough gig. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I kind of felt like I phased out of it and, and was starting to go, I don't know what to say. I guess what I'm trying to figure out, like so you take you shot the special what, six months ago? Yeah, November. Because I'm just trying to figure out because like the set is so expansive and so tight that you weren't you definitely weren't putting that set together in 20 minute increments no no no. i was headlining yeah yeah so when did that start that probably started uh, was i 22 uh-huh maybe 22 23 it so all kind around, of happened around the same time when you were opening for bert and or, yeah, know, yeah yeah I, I was featuring for bert uh for i don't know maybe like four months or yeah. something it wasn't that long yeah. of a time uh, before I kind of started headlining, I think I did Conan and Just for Laughs 
and like got a development deal all the same year and that was like when i was starting to to headline that's interesting they barely give out development deals anymore who was that with uh abc oh yeah and, and what was the pitch i mean we had all these meetings at networks after jfl uh-huh. and i went in is that when you started with levity uh yeah the like a year before that okay i uh we, I guess we, I should explain that. I don't know if I've explained that before. So Levity oh, yeah. is Hartman's company, right? Mm-hmm. I'm explaining it to my listeners, which oh, I rarely yes, do. And Levity is, I think Hartman is part of the group that owns most of the improvs. So there's a line in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So a lot of Levity clients run through the improvs mm-hmm. two, three, maybe four times a year mm-hmm. You know, across the country. It's a good connection to have to mm-hmm. at least get your... Uh, Get you not only get your dues paid, but you know make a good living. Yes. Okay. So so you're meeting with networks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I went in just trying to be kind of funny about my life and and my childhood. And, yeah. And at the end, they were like, "We want to make the show," and I was like, "What show?" And, uh, uh, and there we'll set you up with a writer. Right. And there were there were a few different uh, places that we were we were talking to, and we ended up choosing ABC and. Um, I loved the the people I worked yeah. with, and we, you know, we wrote what they wanted, which was a multicam sitcom. Did, they, did, they, did you meet a bunch of writers and choose one mm-hmm. that kind of deal? Yeah, they were great. They were yeah. amazing, and they they really helped me shape it because I didn't know what I was doing. And what was the angle? You were a Christian comic who was. I wasn't a out. comic. I didn't want to be a comic oh. on it, but it was it was just about. Uh, the the idea was that I you know moved in with my sisters and and we were all trying to like figure out who we were apart uh-huh. from this like sheltered upbringing. Right. And my parents were characters on the show. Yeah. And, uh, it it you know it was I think we did as good a job as we could have for what it was like that format. Sure. I wasn't super passionate Three about camera. it. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. super passionate about it. Um, but and after that didn't go at ABC, they were kind of like, "All right, so where else do you? We can go do it with this network now if you want." And I was like, "I mean, just want to go do some stand up." Yeah, I'm like, yeah, why? Yeah. If I was nervous that it would go and I would have to cancel road dates because yeah. I was like, I'm trying to get good at headlining. Like, yeah. I, I, when am I going to have time to do that if we're making a sitcom? So in Montreal, were you a new face? Mm-hmm. So done with Christian stuff, done yeah. with colleges. Now you're just doing improvs. Uh, mostly, yeah. Headlining improvs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you got real tight, mm-hmm. real solid. Got yeah. the the length in. Right. Built yeah. it out. Yes. <laughs> Do the hour fifteen, no problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. Got a big closer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you hope so. Yeah. I, uh, I there was certainly some some imposter syndrome when I when I got the special with Netflix. I was like. I mean, I submitted the hour because I was headlining and my reps were like, just submit the hour, you know? And I was like, well, just so you know, I'm expecting to get the half hour, if anything, because I had done the 15 yeah. with Netflix. And so I was just hoping to, to get so the half hour next. Yeah, yeah. How long How long between the 15 and the hour? How many years? Uh, like a year and a half, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah, so you had most of the hour when you did the 15. Yeah, I had a good chunk of it yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then you know the fifteen. Obviously, you retire after it's on right. Netflix, so right. that didn't go into it. So now you're the hour person. Yeah, <laughs> one of them. Yeah. And how now? How do you, now? Who who are you finding in your audience? How's your draw? Did it make a big difference? I Have mean, you, I only did one. I only did one road weekend after it came out. But before though, even were you like? Because like I was not a guy that built up an audience on the road. I don't know how many times they were running you through which improvs, mm-hmm. but were you? 
were you somebody who could sell tickets? Uh, not in any like significant way. I don't uh-huh. think like I wasn't like selling out weekends right. or anything. Right. Um, the the Netflix fifteen definitely helped. Uh-huh. Um, and doing you know a few late night sets and whatnot. That stuff definitely uh, was helpful, and I was seeing people come out and come up to me afterward like we've been following you since this or right, we saw right. your netflix or we saw you on last comic right and, um there were people that were coming out specifically to see me but it was not most of the audience by right any yeah stretch. yeah and it, i still don't know uh that's sure. kind of the the interesting we, thing about right now is you know normally at you this point go. i would yeah right. i could go out and see i did one weekend two days after the special came out and people were coming out from that already, which was nice. And, and then the pressure's already on. So you got a whole new hour? Yeah. So when you shot the special, you were sitting on what, 40, 30? Uh, that I wasn't using? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was sitting on maybe like 20 uh-huh. that I felt like I could have put in and didn't. And right. then, you know, you have all the other then stuff you s- you're working on. Right, so you're able to start folding it out, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like making it bigger, adding yeah. the shit. So you have a, a at least an hour in six months you put it together. Yeah. From what you didn't use to the new shit. Yeah. yeah. Working it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should take a I should take a vacation after I film this, and everyone's like, no, you need a new hour. I'm like, oh, okay, let's get back on the road. Well, it's kind of well, I well the way I did it was like I knew that I've been working that hour that for like a year or two, mm-hmm. like letting that stuff kind of simmer and start to come together and form and like you you can really see it you know i can see it in the work in the hour 20 or the hour what is 73 minutes 74 minutes so hour 15 what'd you do hour 13 hour 10 you know i think it's an hour You're right on the up? dot yeah, yeah I, was I was afraid to do any more or any less i always push <laughs> it i'm like what's the most i can do yeah <laughs> and they're like like 73 yeah and i'm like okay I'll do 73 because like I'm touring, I'm doing like an hour 45, right? So I got to make that into 73. So now I've got like a half hour or so, but I always lose shit. But by the time I did the special, I just wanted to make sure I had made enough money off of that hour Mm. that I knew I was going to do. Like I, like after I taped it, I went out and did another part of the tour just because I knew come like two weeks ago, it's over. Yes. So I'm like, I had these months and I'm like, why aren't we? Let me go make some more money off of this. Oh, that's of, a good point. After this, off of this hour. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I built it. It's really good. And there's a bunch of cities we didn't do. Let's just fucking knock a few out. So I did another nine or 10 dates just yeah, uh, before. Just that I, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, that's, I didn't think to do that because I was, I had, I mean, I had been doing some of those jokes a really long time. And right. some of them I had been doing, you know, a few months. But it sounds like you were working a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Like every. But, oh, weekend. so you didn't think that once you taped it, you didn't do any more sets, or you didn't do any more full hours? Or? I I never did that hour again. I did. Oh, oh, I yeah. was in uh, Royal Oak doing Comedy Castle, Detroit. Yeah, like yeah. a week after, maybe, maybe yeah. a week and a half after we we filmed it, and I did maybe, maybe like forty percent of right. that hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that weekend on, I tried to do. As little right. as possible. But there was only places I could go. It could, were places I hadn't gone with it. Right. You know, because like, there have been different forms of it. But I always make sure I do 
if I'm headlining, I always make sure I'll do at least an hour and a half, mm. hour 45, because I don't really know what people have seen or what they haven't seen. I'm not that tight about it yeah. until it's in the can. Uh-huh. You know, so there's a year and a half there where I'm like, did I do this last time I was here? I can't remember <laughs> the fucking last time I was here. So it's a little tricky. Do you have, do you have like one opener? Yeah, I only use one opener. Yeah, and how much time do they do? Yeah, 20. Okay, so it's like two-hour show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if they've seen part of it, it's like, oh, so you saw thirty minutes, right? Right. Of yeah, two yeah. hours. But you know, people are dicky. Right. You yeah. Know, like it, it happened in England, and it, it pissed me off so much. I don't know if I'm ever going to go there again. Really? Like I went back, and I was still working out shit, and that that set evolved so much over the year, you know, that it was a different set, mm-hmm. and there was more. And I knew I'd been there with some of that set, and I did another forty-five to fifty on top of stuff that was so different than they first seen it. And one woman complained, and I'm like. Fuck that country. <laughs> like it was that, like that was my response. Because you know it could happen. And yeah. you don't want to be that guy that repeats himself. I don't want to be that guy. Right. But I, I took the gig. It was my own fault. But I also knew I had another 50 minutes. Yeah. So like, you know, they're going to get double the show. Well, and if you had come in and only done the 50 minutes, yeah. she wouldn't have complained. That's Which, right. isn't that crazy? Yeah, You're like, yeah, I gave yeah. you twice as much That's right. show. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you got yeah. to look at me twice as long. Yeah, no, it was just uh, too much for her to bear. That's... I guess I shouldn't punish the entire country. But no, we don't I know. mean... Well, maybe none of us are going anywhere ever again. Yeah, I know, yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, yeah, we might never get to go to England, any of us. <laughs> it could happen. I, I don't guess. know. What do you think? Really? Because, yeah, do you think... Uh... Well, I'm dumb. I think that, you know, I don't know how long it'll take, but I imagine we'll get through this. Yeah. But, you know, but what... How hard is it going to be to travel? What restrictions are going to be permanently in place in some sort of authoritarian way because they've already got them up and working because of this thing? I don't know. Yeah. Are you worried about people being able to like come to a theater and watch a live performance of any kind? Well, I mean, if this plays out like other things, I mean, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of tragedy and horror and sick people and deaths. But I assume if, you know, they don't shut down science, Mm. they'll figure out a vaccine or a process. Right. And, you know, these things seem to have a, they kind of run their, uh, their course Mm -hmm. usually, eventually. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would assume that that would happen. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, everything's so out of balance. Who knows? Yeah. You, You know, I just know that like, I'm glad this new special was sort of like a a, a kind of um, life's work for me. Like, I feel like this one is like, I really kind of, you know, all the stuff that I've been working on my entire career, ideas and things that have, you know, kind of been part of what I talk about, are, are, I've got closure on them. Right. So you're <laughs> like, if that's the last thing I did, yes. I'm good with it. Exactly. A <laughs> little bit. That's a nice place to be. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't want to die. Right. But, but you know. Oh, I wasn't even thinking dying. I oh, just yeah, meant just if, if stand-up is no longer, no longer a job. I'm okay. Yeah, you're good. I did it. I, I really feel that proud of that special. Yeah, yeah. You're interviewing Leonardo DiCaprio now. Like, you don't even need to interview comedians <laughs> anymore. I'd much rather interview comedians. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say, like, that thing with Brad Pitt and Leo was, like, not a, a traditional right. WTF. It was I sort mean, of like, yeah. Do you listen? Did you ever listen back to it? Like, Brad Pitt. Watch my show how many times? I know, three times. Well, I knew that because I'd run into him in weird places at an yeah. art show once, and then at some benefit that I did. Uh-huh. And he had told me both times that he'd watched it, and I didn't know that it totaled out on three. I think the deeper story around that was that he, he was going through a difficult time, mm-hmm. and that you know he was trying to get sober and other things, um, and that somehow comforted him. 
my insanity. So you saved Brad Pitt. A little bit. Is what you're saying. I think I helped. <laughs> I, you know, I hope he's still saved. I, you know, I don't know. But I do, I do think I provided a service. Yeah. yeah. Not unlike for you, from what you say. I, I helped you understand that you you there was a, car- a career uh, uh, trajectory that you could engage in because these other people did it. Yeah. Like who were when you listen to WTF? Who were some of the people where you're like, oh, oh gosh. It. I mean, I'm tr- I was trying to remember. I almost went back and, but you got to scroll so back, so far back yeah, on Stitcher to see I who know. the first ones were. Um, so I don't know. But back when you first started, it was like every episode Comic. was a stand-up yeah. comedian. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, you know, right. there would be people who popped up where I'm like, oh my god, Kathleen Madigan or whatever, you know. Right. And hearing them talk to you for an hour was so much more informative than like li- even listening to their stand-up. Oh, of course. Because yeah. you know, you're not going to learn. You just how you, to... you can only learn style from watching stand-up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even like I I learned who a lot of people were by watching Last Comic Standing when I yep. was a kid. So uh, listening to those people talk in on a long form podcast is is so much more helpful than watching them you know do a talking head on a reality sure show. or even on conan yeah to hear me and bamford in a car yes oh my god yes <laughs> her talking about her morbid thought syndrome yes yeah it's helpful yeah. look at these are weird people and i'm weird so yeah i can do it. so your dad didn't uh, ever, he didn't continue with the stand-up after he took no, the class. no 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 yeah it was just a, a fun thing for us to do for six weeks i yeah. think he did one we did like a, a show in like a hotel once after we took the class, uh-huh. and that was the only time I think he ever did stand up. Not, not for him, huh? He wasn't no. cut out for it. No, I don't think I don't think he had any desire to like do it really do as it. a career. Yeah. Why would he? You know, sure. he's got a full and, life and a hot wife and a great career. Why would he throw what, it all away? But you're this? good with them. That's good because like you know, I don't, I'm not sure that's exactly clear. And you're good with your dad. He's good with your work. Um, I wouldn't say he's good with my work. I think that they are, uh, I think that they're proud of me. It's been an interesting adjustment over the last few years, Mm. um, because I did kind of tell them like, I am not clean anymore, Yeah. but there's a difference between I am not clean anymore (laughs) and seeing it on television. Did you, you literally said to your parents, like, I'm dirty. Basically, yeah. I was like, I swear, like I have some jokes that are, you know, I just, to warn you. And I mean, they haven't seen me perform. The only times they've seen me perform live in the last four years is opening for Regan. And yeah. And then they saw me on The Tonight Show the first time I did Mm -hmm. it. And with a, Jimmy, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then a week after, you know, the Netflix 15 came out and they watched it and didn't contact me for a little bit. So, because that was the only dirty one, yeah, that was the first, that was like the first TV thing that was, uh, that was, racy. I was swearing in it. Mm-hmm. I, it's not even really racy, it really isn't. It's like pretty clean. I think I said like two swear words, but now you're pretty, like, you know, you, you explore sexual ideas, sexual experience. You yeah. know, love. You, I mean, you do talk about the things that are 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 ridiculous about being brought up Christian, and mm-hmm. you know, it's so so you don't really know. It's not a great feeling at home. I mean, I I kind of told them beforehand. Like, I think my dad watched my last Conan and didn't say anything about it. And then I that's the worst. Though. Yeah, I know. And then I said something. Well, I told him I was going to be on Conan, and he just like changed the subject. And I was like, all right. And then I talked to him like a month after I did it, and I said something like. Yeah, I don't know if you saw yeah. that. And he goes, I did. I didn't like it. And I said, you know, you don't have to watch my stand-up. Like, it, it won't hurt my feelings. If if I weren't your daughter, you wouldn't watch me. Like, I'm not 
for you right you know so it's i had to kind of separate that like of course you want your parents to approve of everything you do but you also get to a point where you're like if i saw a couple their age uh from you know a, a suburban yeah. area like they are yeah. from walk out of one of my shows would yeah. it keep me up at night no probably not so once i came to that i was like you guys don't have to watch it it's fine and I don't know if they watched the special. I assume they probably did. I ran all the jokes about my dad past him before I filmed it. And how'd that go? Uh, he said he really appreciated it. Um, and that it meant a lot to him that I did it. I also wasn't like, is that okay? But I You didn't ask him that. I didn't ask him that. But right. I said, these are the jokes about you. This is how I say them. Um, you know, I didn't send him a video because no. maybe, I don't know, maybe that would have felt less personal but i'm like these are the bits exactly as i say them because i didn't want friends of his to quote jokes about him back to him after my special came out and him to like not know what they were talking about oh, right, right, or right. have a game of telephone you know happen where they butcher something yeah right. they butcher one of my bits and it's like did you see that bit about taylor hating you and it's like yeah. what so that was kind of what i was trying to make sure didn't happen uh, you left your stepmom out of it no, there are no jokes about her in the in the special. Yeah, it's interesting what you know what you you choose to do. Like I I have some issues with that, and I've been incredibly hard on my parents. You know, yeah. in my stand up over the years. Do you run those jokes past yeah, them before? Fuck no, I was gonna ask. Yeah, so they just kind of see it when it comes out. The only time, like I've been really hard on my dad, and I've done I've done the jokes in front of them. Yeah, I'm fortunate in that. You know, my dad can take a certain amount of abuse. He just likes the attention. Right. Uh, yeah. When I wrote a book, there was some stuff in there that really fucked with him, and it got uh. it got bad. And you know, he was mad at me for a long time, and uh, wanted compensation even. Whoa! Yeah, it got heavy. And but this last hour, there was one or two lines in there about my mother, where I'm like, oh, man, is it worth it? Yeah. See, that's the fucked up thing is that like it really comes down to like you know I you know, who am I. How much of this is my story? You know, mm -hmm. this is my fucking freedom. You know, can I handle doing this and live with it? Yes. And and most of the time, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh... I mean, like, you you know, I think my mom, she was like, this special. She was like, I even put up with the things you said about me. But I didn't, she didn't like the Mike Pence bit. She didn't like that last bit. And I really? Think, but not because she's has any. She took of, more issue with that than the bits about her. Is what you're for saying. sure? Yeah, I think yeah. it was just how dirty it was. Right. It, you know, and my mom's no prude, but I mean that yeah. thing's a little gnarly. It's yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's yeah. it's, it's a Mike not, Pence aristocrats. It, bit, yeah. it is. It is kind. Of, someone else compared it to that. I guess yeah. it is that. How far can this go? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but I've made a lot of choices about that in, in relationships and stuff, but I think it's really about, is it fair? Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. I think I, I had a joke that I was doing about something my grandma told me about herself, um, that I was doing on the road. And before I filmed the special, I, I ran it by her and she laughed. And then two days later she texted me and was like, I can't stop thinking about that. I kind of, it makes me sound like this and I, I don't love that. And I was like, 
it's gone. Yeah. It's totally gone. Yeah. Because that was something that she told me yeah. about her. Right. It, it had nothing to do with me. It wasn't something she said to me that right. hurt me. You know, it it was her story. So that I was like, of course I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Right? But with my dad, you know, with the joke I do about tr- telling him I was suicidal and him saying, go ahead and kill yourself. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's something that I've done like EMDR therapy on. Like, yeah. that's that's mine. Yeah. I yeah, get to yeah. do a bit about it and yeah you got right yeah i get to feel better about it and i also because you did that i did yes he did that yes yeah and i also get to cushion it as much as i think is appropriate which i did do because i can't imagine being a parent and everything you ever did every mistake you ever made is now being you know aired out on a major streaming platform right um i i can't imagine that so i did try to cushion it with you know my parents are great and they did their best and you know not and nobody's parents are perfect and and all that but you know that joke as funny as it is and how proud of it i am like came from a very real place of uh excruciating pain for years and years right and was something i worked through in uh in very extensive therapy so i i felt like i uh i earned that yeah no i i agree it's a very it's a it, there is that line though where there's some stuff that's told to you like you know my mom like I've read emails from my or texts from my mother on on <laughs> on stage because I just yeah. can't not do it yeah uh, and that's kind of wrong you right. know, because in in some ways you know that's like a thing well I guess that's not what the, the same example but like if they tell you something about themselves mm-hmm. you know that's their trip. You know what I mean? You got to be like, yeah, it's funny, but like, yeah, I mean, it it was told to me in confidence or it's their story or whatever. That's a different decision than my mother with her emojis. I mean, I think that's fair game. Right. Yeah. You, You sort of explain that sort of like you want to make it clear that they did the best they could. I used to do a joke about like, you know, when they say that to you, they they didn't. (laughs) There's no way. They, I mean, if you really think about it, how is that the best? It's almost like they didn't even know what the fuck they were doing. They were winging it. Yeah, but I think that's what they mean when they say I did my best. You go, you did, you did what you knew to do, and maybe you didn't know that much at that I point. I guess, but I don't even know. Like, yeah, but there was no the attention paid was not like you know how do we do this right? It's sort of like, well, how do I fit this into my life? I've got shit I got to do. Right? Like, there's got to be a way just to keep these fucking kids from like driving me crazy. Like, right? It's not even a noble attempt. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't do the best at anything. <laughs> They just like they did what they could. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's some all parents, it is. Some parents are better than yeah. others. Yeah, I but mean, you. But okay. But so somehow or another, this thing doesn't add this weight to your relationship with them. That's not good. There's oh, it no, does. Mm-hmm. It, it comes and goes. I think yeah. that weight. Um, you know, we still haven't talked about my special. Like, oh, isn't that fucked really? up? Though, like my see, like it's weird that. The thing I don't get mm-hmm. is that, like, you know, to me, there should not be any problem. Like, mm-hmm. to me, it's like you're a success. You've done something challenging. You're, 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 you know, you're being rewarded for it. You're and and you're good at it, and you're unique. And you know, you tell us all those things should sort of override them being personally embarrassed, right? Right. Because that's really what it comes down to. It's not like, you know, it's not some sort of judgment, a Christian judgment, not Christian or this or that. It's like they're embarrassed Mm, mm -hmm. that you're, you know, either you're talking about them that way or that you're like who you are publicly. 
Yeah. Because they can't control that. So that that's the problem. She's out there making noise about us. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. And it's, you know, I did I did a joke about my dad uh you know, not thinking like gay people should be allowed to get married on Conan like four years ago or whatever right. and uh, ran it past him beforehand. And he was like, that's funny. That's fine. And then like two days after he was like, you know, never talk about me on stage again. And we had to like talk, have a talk right. about it. All of a sudden, like the gay people in his life, I, if there are any, were like, you monster. I don't know. I don't know if anyone even I was like, did people say something to you? Uh. He's like, no, but it just it's not. You know, it's I don't not... want people to know that I'm that person. No, I don't think it's that. I think he was, um, I guess, understandably upset that I was making fun of his beliefs, and uh, if, oh, and he was like, "Why am I being, you right. know, raked across the coals for my beliefs?" And I was just like, "I just think you are wrong." I was like, "I, I don't know what to tell you." Like, I think you are wrong about that, and in a moral way, yeah. and. So that was kind of right. probably a turning point a little bit for me where and I'm like, just a, don't watch my stuff. Right, and because you can't reconcile with that. It's like you yeah. said, or like we said earlier, when you talk to one of those type of Christians, they're not going to change. Absolutely. And like, again, I've never had kids. I don't know what that feels like yeah. to just have them out in the world making noise, as you said, and, and not having any control over yeah. that, not having any platform to be like, actually, this is how it went down. Like, yeah. your side is not even a part of it, which sure. is why I feel like sure. I have to be so careful, you know, trying to kind of balance it when I do make jokes uh, about them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think you should shift your disposition to more <laughs> of like, you had it coming. You had it coming. Starting now, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I get you're you're upset, but yeah, you get you had it. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I really, uh, again, as someone who has dated comedians, mm-hmm. I'm like, I think that's good. I think it's good for comedians to date other comedians just so they know how it feels to be talked about on stage. Uh, you know, in a personal way. I mean, obviously, we are more understanding of it because you think. Do you think you're just as sensitive as maybe no, your I, mom I think, would be? I think we're all sensitive, but what we've learned as comedians is to sort of suck it up and just yes. like build a callus or get some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, chronic kind of uh, mild PTSD right. around, you know, what we can and can't take. You know, I, I just think that there's an open – I do – the thing about dating comedians or living in this community where there really is no – boundaries around ideas it's it's a it's an amazing place to live and and it's an amazing uh community of people but you know there's no kind of moral precedence that you know when we're alone that we're not gonna fuck with and stuff right right so so there's a lot out in the open there but yeah i i get like my the ones i was involved with or it was really just the one i would never do it again um but, you know, speaking publicly, if someone you're with speaks publicly about you, I'm with someone now who, you know, talks about she's a public person, she's a director. But I always sort of like, I'm always like, no, oh, do you have to, that's, you know, yeah. that's a little private, isn't it? But like, what am I going to say? Yeah. Oh, you especially. I'm, yeah, right. I'm in no position going, could you not maybe, you know, talk about what I do when I'm crying right. by myself? <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this okay. is off the record. Like yeah, you right, have to right. do that during fights. Almost. Right, right, like yeah. just rem- I'm about to say something. Yeah. But I don't want it to come out in interviews. Yeah, which yeah. my my parents have said that to me. Don't they? And please don't do a bit about this. And I'm like, how would you even think I could? And then as the longer I've done uh, this, I'm like, oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah you they think assume that. that everything is like you're going. Someone said that to me at a funeral once. A neighbor's husband died, and we went to his funeral, and she came up to us crying. We're like, we're so sorry. And she goes, you're not going to put this in your. <laughs> Thing. I yeah, was like, yeah. why would I do that? Well, maybe I would. But yeah. maybe, you know, there's no angle yet. But right, if yeah. I stumble across one, I'll, it's possible. I'll run it by you first. Well, it's like they're, at least they're thinking bigger because, like, I hate those people that you meet once or you have one encounter with. They're like, don't, don't say anything on stage. I'm like, oh, who the fuck are you? Y- you think you matter to me <laughs> enough? Yeah. The people who want you to talk about them on stage, you never end up talking oh, about. They're the worst. Yeah. But I, it's been good for me uh, just on that on that front of dating comics occasionally of like, oh, this is what it feels like. Okay, maybe I should be yeah. aware of that with people in my life. Yeah, yeah, no, empathy is tricky, you know, mm-hmm. in this game because, you know, so it's like, this is my life too and, these, you know, I own this. But it's, it's, I think there is sort of, in order to do the type of comedy that, you know, pushes um, the envelope a little bit, at least personally, there is a sort of lack of empathy. I, I wouldn't mm. say it's sociopathic, but I do think it's selfish. Oh, absolutely. I mean, once yeah. I break up with you, I'm going to say whatever I want. Like, if I'm in a relationship with you and you want to veto a bit, I, I may let you do that. Yeah. But if once we break up, yeah. Yeah. you know, you've got to just trust that I'm a good enough person yeah. not yeah. to air I'll something. I'll tell the truth. Right. But, but even that's going to hurt a little bit. Right. Look at you. <laughs> well, I was I was engaged last year. Uh, right. I mean, I do jokes about it in the special. Yeah. And uh, we were like deciding. I was kind of deciding if I was going to stay with this person while preparing for this special. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was in my pettier moments. It's it's hard to know what is allowed to make jokes about. And I was like, I'm not going to do any jokes about him in the special. And then the new hour has more jokes about him. Um, and our relationship. And again, you, you start off very like petty and, you know, sometimes you just go off on stage and people stop laughing and you go, yeah. okay, those yeah. were just feelings and nope. I'm sorry about that. But that's good though, because yeah. I don't think, I mean, cause I do it the same way. I mean, you obviously generate on stage a lot. Right. Yeah. But then you, once you, you hone, hone it, it yeah, yeah, then it like, becomes off a little classier. Of course. But, w- but when the feelings are raw, they're raw. I mm-hmm. mean, I did a whole show like about my ex-wife when she left me and it was right. horrible. And I took most, I shouldered most of the burden, but then I got, you know, I've, I've done some pretty awful jokes in, in anger and I don't like, I listen to some of that stuff on the CDs and I'm like, I don't regret it, but it wasn't professional. Mm, yeah. You know, because like there, even if you're like me and, you know, you sort of like, hey, man, it's hit or miss. I'm an acquired taste. I'm not here to entertain everybody, whatever. There, There is a line where I'm sort of like, I was, that was just like raw as fuck. Yeah. And like, uh, it's part of the process, but it shouldn't be the finished product. Yes. Well, yeah. and with the internet now, everybody can look up who you're talking about. If you've posted with them, <laughs> right, I mean, right, right, you yeah. know, my ex-fiance was not like a comedian or performer or anything, yeah. but like- if you Google my name and fiance, like you could probably figure it out. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone's got something, a little something out there. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, a that's... LinkedIn profile. This right. poor guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you if you date somebody who's a public figure, you know, you got to kind of be aware of that. I think. Yes, but that's they a can, possibility. Yeah. You know, it's all out there for everybody. They can yeah. get at us. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so scary. It's weird. But that's why you share too much, you know, up front. So you go, I already told you that. I it, it's part I, I do that naturally, but there have been moments where I'm like, I already, I'm I've but see the thing is nobody listens to everything you do. So no. if, if somebody comes at you with something, you're gonna like, excuse me, if we could just go back four years ago <laughs> to podcast number eight hundred and four, it's pretty clear that I own that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I've, believe everyone didn't know that, that I'm the, the opening <laughs> monologue of that podcast, you know, right, of right. the Robert Kelly episode. No yeah. one listened to that. You're like, you're late, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was always the assumption, too, before I, you know, I even now, even like even talking about these new hours every year, is that there's this weird assumption that everybody has heard everything we've done. I mean, obviously, it's more possible with Netflix. Like before, I would put out a CD and I'm like, that's it for that hour. I'm like, no one bought that CD. Right. No one is listening <laughs> to that CD. I mean, you're throwing, I threw away like five hours of material. Wow. Only because, you know, like, because like, I already did it. And I don't feel bad about that. But the more I realize, I'm like, there's a lot of good shit there that no one will ever hear. Right. Ever. Yeah. There's like four or five CDs worth of shit that's like, it's it's out there and it's right. great, I think, but I can't do it again because I'm too proud or fucking, you know, I've got this idea. But your fans um, can and will find it. I wonder, like that album that, like the the album that I did during the separation, Final Engagement, that was, that's one of the, there was a trilogy. There was uh, Not Sold Out, mm-hmm. uh, Still Tickets Available, and Final Engagement. Right. And Final Engagement is like dark fucking broken hearted angry shit and it's like yeah. two hours of it and it's really uh it's a rare and every once in a while someone will text me like that's the one that really yeah. helped me <laughs> louis katz was going through a fucking breakup he's like i've been listening to that one it's been that's really amazing helpful. see that's what i'm saying people can find it sure. it's not like only not the people forever. who bought that at the right. funny bone between <laughs> 1990 whatever like oh. you know you can you can go online and find all that and and your fans do that yeah. and once people find you uh, they might you know. want to go down the rabbit hole yeah of yeah. course everyone everyone's binging yeah. now when i find somebody i've never heard of and they have a lot of stuff that you can go through i'll do that with a musician sometimes. yes yeah not exactly gonna, not gonna do it with everything right i mean with comedians we uh, wouldn't do that but <laughs> i just had that moment where just like sitting at that table after a half-filled gig with your cds <laughs> and, hey and they're like mm, thanks <laughs> Wait, didn't like what, where are you going? Yeah, they yeah. just nod at you and yeah, like yeah. pump Hi. the features hand. Like you oh, were great. That's the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah, really liked your stuff. Hey, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah um, cool, uh-huh. cool. Uh, you're thanking the, them for coming. And they're yeah, like, you're but, welcome. But why do we feel that? I mean, that hurts. That stings a little. And but you know, it's yeah. just part of the gig. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> that your feature is going to hand it to you one or maybe once a week yeah and you featured so you remember people yeah. saying that to you right right and then you start headlining and you go oh that actually didn't mean anything when people said that to me because i was doing 20 minutes uh-huh. instead of an hour right right so right. of course you know you remember <laughs> them as being better right it yeah. was it was a lifetime ago it's 18 minutes man yeah i was up there for an hour 10 hour yeah. 15 his 18 was good come on <laughs> Who can't do 18? You can do 18. Well, it's the same thing as that woman complaining that she had heard things I in know. your hour I and know. a half. And I you're know. like, I guess I should have done 50. Yeah, you fucking fuck her. <laughs> I went back and forth with her, too. Really? Well, she emailed me through the website. Oh and I'm like, God. you fuck. And they hit, it's a nerve with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't want to. I knew I went back too soon. Yeah. And so she got it. She <laughs> struck the nerve. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I hate when they get you. <laughs> Well, great job. I think we've covered it. Everybody's yeah, I okay. Yeah, feel good about it. Good, man. And, we're, and we stayed 
at a distance. We're going to take a picture now mm-hmm. from at a, a distance. distance. Yeah. Yep. So we don't get any backlash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm posting pics of people that I, I've recorded weeks ago. I saw that. And people are like, what's going on? Yeah. It's like, a while ago. It was before everything We thought you changed. were woke, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's touching people. He's out there touching people. <laughs> Good talking to you. Thank you. There you go. Taylor Tomlinson. I like her. Funny special. Go watch it. It's called uh, Quarter Life Crisis. It's up there on the Netflix. And her and her boyfriend, uh, Sam, do a thing. Sam Morrell, who will be on the show Thursday. I think it's on YouTube. Is it on YouTube or Instagram? I think it's on YouTube. You'll find it. Maybe she mentioned it. I think she might have mentioned it. Anyway, look. And now I will play some music. That's slightly reminiscent of Neil Young because... Uh, playing sort of the same guitar he is and maybe some more chords but then I change it alright okay okay <laughs> 